and welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hey, what's up? I'm Maggie. And I'm Julia. And today we are coming at you with a special episode because we have an author on with us this time. Please welcome Catherine Grace. Hello. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. We're happy to have you. We are so excited. Uh, Honestly, it was the first time we were contacted by a publishing house to be like, hey, will you help us with this re-release of the book? And we're like, "Uh, sure. How did you even hear about us? So it was very exciting. Excellent. That's wonderful. I do. The publisher does work very hard for us new writers. So that's wonderful. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to just kick it off. But Catherine, will you start by giving us a synopsis of your book, The Intersection? Excellent. Thank you. I'd love to. Synopsis, it's the story of a young woman uh, who goes through tragic loss and in a way, and then she tries to just hide from the world. So she had, uh, she'd met her husband, they went through the, tra- she had the tragedy, and then she uh, goes back to Scotland and kind of hides out from the world. However, there's a twist to it in that things are not always as they appear to be. So she lives her life through the people that go through the intersection that's out of her bay window. And so she's uh, watching those people and living th- through their lives. Uh, then events and mysterious events start to take over. And she sees a familiar head of black curly hair that reminds her of someone, but it couldn't be him. And then uh, attempts are made on her life. And there's a little romance. And we you just have to read the book to see how it ends. <laughs> Will the killer find her before she finds the answer to why they're actually after her? Read and find out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. That was great. Thank you so much. Now, your bio uh, has mentioned that you've done more than write just your novel, The Intersection, but you've also written articles as a journalist, as well as computer tutorials. What would you say is the weirdest thing you've ever written? Well, I don't know about, about the weirdest. I think the most entertaining is uh, come from workshops and conferences that I've gone to and even through some challenging professors. Uh, When you're dealing with computer tutorials, when you're dealing with journalism, it's all very reality-based. So there's not anything really exciting. One of the most exciting projects I had to work on, I thought it was great, when you use your imagination. And so we had to take a modern tale and set it from a fairy tale aspect of it. So you're using modern times and that's really interesting because that's very creative. I really enjoyed that. One of my professors, we had to do an exam and the exam was to write in the voice of someone from the Middle Ages and you had to include the details. However, you wrote from the voice of the person. So I was a lord and it was great because I wanted to have power as I do. And (laughs) The daughter was going to be married off and such, you know, and because I wanted the land and the property and the money and such. And as I said, you had to include the details, but it was really interesting because you did it from the first person. And that's a very difficult way to write uh, is in the first person. So while they're not, while it's not weird, they are the most creative and the ones. (laughs) It sounds like you were possessed by the ghost of a Lord that just really wanted his story to be out there. (laughs) 
Yes, I do. I, I, I am possessed by characters. And that's the thing. When I, I always like to say that that's the characters are the voices in my head. So when people hear voices in my head, they don't run away in fear. Well, there you go. <laughs> Picked a good line of work for that. Yes, I did. So Catherine, tell us, I'm sure you've answered this question many, many times, but what was your inspiration for writing The Intersection? Did you have an intersection in your life where you're like bay window, everything, or a really cool apartment? Absolutely. I did. It's the West End of Glasgow. And I would stay stay there on occasion because I traveled with work at the time. And I stayed with a friend. And there was a huge, it was one of the tenement buildings with the huge bay windows. And I would sit at the bay window and watch people go through the intersection. And then I would wonder about their lives. And and that came from when I was young, my mom and I would go to the mall. And uh, although I was born in Canada, we lived in the States. And we'd go to the mall and we would people watch and we'd make up stories about the people. So I looked at that intersection. And my parents were from Glasgow, so this is very near and dear to my heart. And I wondered about the people. And then uh, I created new characters that would walk through that intersection. Because when you come to an intersection in life, you can go straight ahead, right or left. And your life will make a difference depending on what you choose. And that's why the story started that way, is that it's the choices that M, uh, the protagonist in the book, the choices she makes and what they lead to. And Mm -hmm. that happens to everybody in life. The choices we make lead to, you know, what's going to happen next in our life. And that was near and dear to the heart. So yes, it is based is based on an intersection right down in the West End. That's amazing. I like to write that way. I'm always inspired by by a visual. There's something I have to see. I'm a very visual person. And actually, I had a game where we went out uh, with friends. And I would say, just pick an object and I'll make up a story about it. And it kept them entertained for a little while. My dad actually used to do something like that for me and my brother. We would pick like three objects and he would make a story about it, which is, it's just such a fun thing to do. It's wonderful. And it, it, it brings out the creativity. He, because you listen to that and you have wonderful memories, you know, of it. And then you can practice it in your life with the creative aspects that you bring to it. And mm-hmm. it inspires us and, and, in a different way, such as, you know, beaches, you know, in California, uh, Edinburgh, you know, if you got go up to Mons Meg at the castle, you know, every little thing that you see can inspire a story. That's so true. Yes. That's, that's what I love. That's the part I really love. (laughs) Oh, that's so beautiful. I really love that. And I think that's so sweet. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know, I'm sure it's so hard to pick. I don't know. It's a very hard question to answer, but do you have a favorite line or section from your book? Well, it's it's a short section. It's the prologue because it not only introduces the story, but there are several aspects to it that until you get to the end of the novel, it will leave you with the question of, oh, who was it in the beginning? And I won't say any more, but yes, uh, I do have it. I have it right here if you'd like me to uh, to read it. It's just a short section. Absolutely. I think you should and give our listeners kind of an idea of your tone of voice and what the book is all about. So definitely take it away. Excellent. Thank you. The prologue for the intersection. It was a rainy day in the cemetery, worthy of any movie scene. The small, solitary shadow dressed in the black of mourning was the lone figure left after the ceremony. It had been small, 
and the only attendees were the minister and herself. She wanted it that way. She dropped a single long-stemmed red rose on top of the casket, and her tears mingled with the rain. I will honor your memory, she whispered. You will not be forgotten. She straightened her slender frame, drew in a ragged breath. The agony in her heart was like a physical stabbing pain, living behind a black hole. She nodded her head, knowing exactly what she would do. All right. Such a, um, like a haunting start to your Mm -hmm. story. Yes, I felt that. And and funnily enough, I wrote it after I wrote, uh, which often happens, I wrote the book, and then I went back and wrote the prologue uh, to that. And, and there is an epilogue at the, at the end, which, you know, I like to kind of, things are just um, not wrapped up. But I think, I always think of an epilogue as not the end, just a continuation of the story. And I wrote yeah. that the day. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Then it like extends, you can, you can picture what the characters are doing with the epilogue, like after. Exactly. Exactly. I liked yeah. it. I saw a film that said, it, you know, usually it says the end and it, it said not the end. And I thought that was very cool. Oh, that's really cute. That is I like very that a cool. lot. Yeah. Cause there is, you know, there are, there is more to the story. It's just, if it's a romance, you know, they come together and live happily ever after. But there always is something extra to the story. So Catherine, do you have a favorite character in your book? I mean, I'm sure you love all of your characters, but. <laughs> I love my, I love all my characters, even the bad guys. <laughs> uh, because they all have a little bit of you. I will, um, I would like to say I, I like M because I think she's inspirational you know, when she's fighting through things. Uh, I like, I love the other characters in it too, but because they each bring something different to the story. Some have strength, some are just kind of wacky, um, you know, like the neighbor across the way with the uh-huh. cat, you know, she's kind of wacky. So I like the different parts to the stories, but I guess I would, I, I'd say am because I think she is inspirational. At least I hope that she comes across that way. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely very strong and she spends a lot of the story sort of figuring out, I guess, what she wants to do with the next part of her life when she finally decides to sort of leave the comfort of how she's been living for the past three years. And um, so I think she can be very inspirational to a lot of readers. And I also think it's great that you love your protagonist and see so much of yourself in the things that she does. I think that's really important as a writer. Yes, uh, she loves wine, chocolate, and good food. And <laughs> those are key points in my life. I love, I love good food. Uh, I love chocolate. Love um, chocolate chip cookies, wine. You know, ocean scenes. So, there's a lot, yes, there there's a, a lot a lot of that. She's a lot slimmer than I am, but that <laughs> I had a friend. I had a friend of mine said. How can they eat so much and stay so slim? I said, because they're characters. (laughs) (laughs) Because this is a universe that I created. (laughs) Yes, exactly. We create our own universe and whatever we want to have happen and it can happen in it. (laughs) I really enjoyed all the descriptions of the food. I was very into it. I was like, oh, this book's making me hungry right now. (laughs) 
Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I know when you look at that, you're just uh, typing away and you think, oh my gosh, yes. Oh, that sounds really good. I like that. <laughs> right. So we're going to kind of switch a little bit off of the book and just talk a bit more about your writing process. But first, because I don't actually know and I didn't Google it, what does it mean to have your book re-released? Like, I know obviously it means it's coming out another time, but like, what does that, how how does one go about re-releasing a book? Well, it had released originally, I think it's been about a year and a half ago. It's that time flies by so fast. It was actually before COVID, so I would say it's two years. And what happens is, is that you've first um, written it, and and it's good. But then the publisher said to you know came and said, let's have another look at it and kind of tweak and and see where we can tighten the scenes. And so it it's about improving it a little bit and to do another release on it because I've written more work. You know I've written a few more bits of work since then. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go back, and it's funny when you first write it. I first wrote it in 2012, and I did it for. National Novel Writing Month. And I did I did the whole thing in one month and then I put it in a drawer and forgot about it for months because writing fifty thousand words in a month takes a lot. I've tried it since then and I can't read I can't redo it. However, um you want to improve the story. So what so they came to me and I says, Yes, I want to work on it. I want to, you know, make it better. And they had an editor come through and then we worked on it together. It didn't need a lot, but there's some subtle things that you can do to make something uh, uh, to make something better. For example, if you're talking about a sunset, you say, she watched the sunset. Or you can say, she watched the blood red sunset. And just two words completely change it. So that's why, so that's why we're doing this. So we're doing a re-release of it with the blood red sunset. And the cover's the same because I really do love the cover, which is actually, it's, it's, um, it's an intersection in Glasgow. It's not the one that, not my intersection, but it is one in Glasgow, which a photographer did when they did the cover of the book. So that's, that's such a release. fun fact. Ah, <laughs> well, everything is near and dear to my heart. So I always too, when they came to it and said they tinkered with it and said, I, I, and it, because it is an intersection and people would recognize it. Well, people from Glasgow will, mm-hmm. but to get it out into the world, because it does so much, it's, you know, so much of Scotland does get through the world and California. I used to live in California. So both Scotland and California are near and dear to my heart. I hope that answered the question. Yeah. yeah, Thank you. Uh, Thanks, Julia. So how would you actually describe your writing process? Um, How do you get your different ideas? Do you think of your plot or your characters first, or is it always different? Well, I for the intersection, I saw the intersection. And before that, I'd only written short stories. I tend to do short stories. And then, as I said, with the National Novel Writing Month, I decided to challenge myself. So I'll start with the intersection. And some people plan things out. I cannot plan anything out. I have to sit down and write it. Um, that's why the synopsis has to go afterwards, because I've got to write it and find out where it's going. Uh, one of my characters, I'm, I'm writing the story. And then one of the characters comes in the scene in a wheelchair. And I went, oh, my gosh, she's in a wheelchair. How did that happen? So characters do come alive and they don't just walk in. They roll in in a wheelchair. So that's where, uh, you know, so I have an idea. There's going to be, you know, a murder or something's going to happen. There's going to be a catalyst in it. But I definitely don't plan it out. I write the whole, uh, uh, write the whole 
novel and then I go back and decide, you know, what, what parts need to be done afterwards. That's, um, and that's just my writing style. I know there are people who are very planned and organized and can, you know, script it. And I can't because I, I actually did try it once just for a few chapters and it scripted out. And then the story totally went a different direction. And I said, well, that's not me. All right. All right. So for the more quote unquote explosive elements of the intersection, <laughs> was your search history super intense by the end of the book? <laughs> Well, I was very fortunate. I, I kind of used a little bit of information. I used to be married to an engineer a long Ooh. time. And he uh, he actually was um, a mechanical engineer, but he'd worked in the nuclear uh, power industry. So he knew a lot about different things. So we used to talk about different scenarios, and I would probe him for his knowledge. Uh, and so I had a kind of general idea. Then I would go, then on these types of searches, you like to go to the library. I would not want my <laughs> my own computer to have, uh, I want to blow something up, <laughs> not in my own search engine. I love going to the library. It's one of my favorite places in the world. So I go to the library and then kind of finish it with there. And then uh, because not everything is published, you add a little bit of imagination to it, which I'm sure there's things that, you know, cannot actually already be done that, you know, governments and other such don't talk about. So you take what's there and then just sprinkle a little imagination on it. But I will have to say my former husband did help with that too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Steve. Yes, he was a lovely man. (laughs) Thank you, Steve. Yes, thank you, Steve. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, How long would you say that you've been a storyteller? And have you always been interested in writing? Uh, yes, uh, I'm an only child. And so when you spend time on your own, you tend to invent things. For a short time, I had a, um, an invisible sister, pretend. I can remember back to about three and four and I, you know, I would be put to bed and then I'd be imagining things. So I would make up my own little story in my head. And I loved reading read from a very early age. And I just loved creating my own stories. So they were, uh, they weren't written down. They were just something I created for the moment, but it was always rich in characters. Um, You know, the good and the bad, you always have to have both. And the creative writing, I love the writing. And that's how I got into journalism. And that's how I worked in the computer company. It was when computers were first going out. Um, And I enjoyed the writing. It was dry. Uh, And then I went back to school later in life. And that's when uh, one of my professors had come and said, read one of my pieces and said, you should, you should write creatively and and get published. And I I thought, because you never think your own work is good enough. Mm -hmm. And I thought, really? (laughs) And so uh, stories have always been an important part of my life. And the pretend bit, that little girl pretending was the basis for for all of the creations I come up with. Fairy tales. Aww. Well, thank you, Invisible Sister. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Julia. And was sister. So in that regard, like writing creatively, have you always kind of fell into the thriller mystery genre? Or have you like jumped into different ones um, and back and forth and such? I've always loved mysteries and adventures. There was a series in the States uh, called Honey Bunch. That's from the 20s. Nancy Drew Mysteries, you know, all of those. I grew up with them all. Uh, 
I do kind of read, I remember I read the biography section in the school, the whole section. I went through biographies at a certain point in time. I think I was about 12. Uh, so, but I've always loved mysteries. It's like puzzles. You have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, and it challenges your mind. So mysteries have always been my favorite uh, and what I go back to. I do love, um, you know, children's stories and I love other pieces However, I always go back to the mystery because I want to create something that will take a while to figure it out. And even though I know where it's going to go, you try to make it entertaining for someone. From when I was young in the Nancy Drew, I loved those. I devoured those, you know, when I was about eight or nine or ten. And then it would just go on. And you go through different periods when I was in my late teens, the, you know, the romance novels and such. Uh, and then it's, and then I got into historical pieces. I love um, ancient history, so mm-hmm. Egypt and such. I had I can't remember the name of the author, but I really enjoyed hers. And she, they set mysteries in ancient times. So I've read a few of those, you know, for mysteries that are are historical, and those do take quite a lot of research. But I've enjoyed those. But I was la- I always do love a good murder. I <laughs> was I was working one day. And it was uh, before I, I was writing full time and I'd gone in to work and I said, I found a new way to kill somebody. <laughs> and my colleague moved over about three spaces <laughs> because it was, uh, yeah, that's, it's, yeah, they kind of, yeah, they found a new way to kill someone. Which is actually a special. It's funny you watch different specials, and it, it was a, about food, and it was this minuscule kind of um, bacteria. It's very, very difficult, but once you, you know, and it's a minute part would kill an elephant. So I remember reading a book once where the the murder happened through like an excess of potassium in their body, which is like hard to actually, you know, figure out because your body naturally makes potassium. Uh, Yes, that's a really good way. Actually, one of my favorites was uh, a beautiful plant. You'll probably know this, Maggie, is foxglove. And it's prolific here. And foxglove is the basis from digitalis which is the heart medicine. So if you, you can do, use a little bit digitalis, it affects the heart. And that's always a good way to kill someone. I've actually used that. I have to say <laughs> the stories. <laughs> in a story, though. In a story, though. Not in, in real a life. Story. And it's a great way because you can release all your frustrations and kill a lot of people without getting in, in into any trouble with the law. I like that. I couldn't hurt a, I couldn't hurt a, a flea anyway. I really couldn't kill anything, but it's nice to be able to do it in the imagination. You know, they used to use, I know the ones, an ice dagger, you know, so mm. locked door mysteries are always great. An ice dagger, yeah. just find a puddle of water, injection, you know, just an air bubble. So lots of, but forensics, that's the thing nowadays. Forensics are so detailed and it's easier to write, you know, from years ago or to kill them off without being found out. Right, because forensics weren't as advanced at that point. Exactly, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And the last 20, and I would say the last 20, 25 years that come so far. Yeah, That would be yeah. a good challenge with writing, like with all of the advanced tactics that they use to find someone and someone still getting away. Ooh. There is one scenario in that people who kill, if they kill randomly, 
So it's not, so it's harder to trace them. So even though it's forensics and, you know, if you watch enough forensic shows, you go, oh yeah, that's what I need to do. You know, just wear a medically sealed suit and do this and do that. So when I watch the, I watch all of the uh, forensic shows just to give you ideas of how to kind of get away with murder, mm-hmm. but only in stories. Only in books. <laughs> well, Catherine, are there any authors that you would say have influenced your writing style and have you met them? I loved that. I love that question, Maggie, because uh, my favorite author is Oscar Wilde. Mm. However, he was so intelligent. I just, I can't write like that. But it did bring me to my favorite author that has inspired me. It's Sue Grafton. And she did the Kinsey Milhone alphabet series. A is for alibi. B is for burglar. Thanks oh, yeah. Corpse. She's mm-hmm. her character is so wonderful. She loves cheeseburgers. You know, she's healthier than I am because she runs a lot. But I loved the character uh, that the little idiosyncrasies that she's given to all of the characters that run through the series. And you do have to read it from the beginning in order to, you know, see the ongoing stories. I've always loved that. Uh, I would love to have been able to meet her. Um, She lived in Santa Barbara. Uh, Unfortunately, she passed away in 2017, and I had never had the opportunity to meet her before then. She wrote through Y, so Zed was never finished. So in a way, it's she's always she left that little bit, you know, for for her legacy or posterity. But her characters and the way she writes the scenes really did inspire me. So I, I think I would have to say that's thank you, Sue Grafton. You're still an inspiration. Oh, that's, that's so awesome. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I I think it's good to have it is an excellent question because although we each have our own style. When you look at what people write and how they write and when you admire them and I admire the way she, you know, her language and the craft. So definitely. And for our final and hardest question, what is your favorite novel? Well, (laughs) that has to go through several generations because I (laughs) I think I have a favorite novel depending on my period, you know, period of life at the time. Uh, however, I did come up with one because I read a novel last year uh, that was recommended to me, and it's the uh, Kristen Hanna, and she wrote The Nightingale. Oh. oh, that was so phenomenal. I can only read a book once, but when I got to the end, I wanted to start reading it all the way through again her language and the way she made you feel about the characters uh, was just absolutely wonderful. So that is my most recent until I get a new favorite when I read something down the road. I love that book. I love that book. It's my favorite Kristen Hanna for sure. Oh, it's the only one I've read. I, I see that she has others. I, I don't have, I love I've always loved reading, haven't had much time for it. But so, Julie, it sounds like it's one you might need to kind of explore. Yeah, I haven't read that one. I know, I feel like Maggie's mentioned it on the podcast, or at least just in life. Um, <laughs> yes. I think I have a couple of times mentioned yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, now, <laughs> and now she is back up. Yes, I would definitely say <laughs> it is because, and I, it's difficult for me to cry in the characters. And I, you know, I end up, I usually only cry during the sound of music, but I was absolutely, yes, you need at least, you know, at least 
two boxes of Kleenex. <laughs> oh man. I'll definitely add it to my TBR list. Yeah. Excellent. I think that's a great suggestion. Wonderful. <laughs> oh, I did want to say, um, although I do love mysteries, sorry, this is kind of at the end. I, um, I started with a murder mayhem and romance, which was an anthology of short stories. And I, I did have that, uh, and that's out. So that's where the Fox club is involved in it. Ooh. Uh, ah. There, um, again, with short stories, there was a photographer, um, Joy Dakers, and they wanted to publish the book, but they wanted to put short stories in it. So each short story relates to the photograph and the book. So you can make up your own, but there's, uh, so when you look at the photograph, that's, I created the story just for that. And that was so much fun because some of them, they were quite, uh, one of them was statues. And I looked at it and it wasn't a normal statue. They all had to come to life. And that's what I saw, which was really cool. And they were having a conversation with each other. And then I've uh, I've co-authored a children's picture book story, so Bernie the Bear. So um, you can't go there. It's kind of environmental. I am getting more into the children's stories, Talia the Turtle, based on a turtle, one of my turtles that ran away from home. <gasps> oh, no. I'm not pet-oriented. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, and then I am working on another murder mystery, Murder in the Family. So... I do love my mysteries. Love that. Um, well, Catherine, right. would you mind telling our listeners where they can find your books or more information about you? Oh, thank you very much. I do have a website, uh, CatherineGraceAuthor.co.uk, and also uh, Jasami Publishing Limited uh, has my books on their website for sale. You can also get them through uh, different bookstores and Amazon and such, and they're all available on there. So you can come and learn a little bit uh, more about me on my website, or and then uh, if you like any of the books that are listed there, you can pop on and buy it. There are some audio books. There's the EPUBs, so there's digital books as well. Very cool. And for those of you who are interested, I will link... Um, Catherine's website and a link to the intersection, um, the novel that we are talking about today on the information for this podcast episode. So if you're interested in that, give it a click and you can hear more about Catherine. Excellent. Thank you so much. This has been such a delight to speak to you both, Julia and Maggie. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We loved having you on. We love that you bridged our Scotland and California lives together. Yes. See, it not only happens in novels, it happens in real life as well. (laughs) It does. Well, with that, we heckin' did it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Catherine Grace, for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, If you loved what you heard, share us with your other bookish friends and family members. And if you're listening with Apple or Spotify podcasts, be sure to rate and review the show. And if you aren't already, subscribe to our Patreon. We release extra content pretty much every week. And if you're in certain tiers, you even get merch. You can also choose to buy us a book, which is a one-time donation option available through PayPal, which can be found in our link tree on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. And if you have any book suggestions or questions, feel free to email us at novelfindspodcast at gmail.com. Our email, Patreon, and Instagram handle can be found in our bio. Again, thank you so much for listening. We will see you all on March 6th. Bye.